choosing courage or love over fear is probably the most spiritual experience you will ever have. And these are choices that you make every single day. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never. My best self is better than every single person who's going to walk on that platform that night. Gosh, man, that was, was the moment that changed my life, man. Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. journey to a better you starts right now. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. My guest today is Madison Hatton. Madison is a spiritual life coach, classical singer, and Olympic weightlifter. So definitely a unique combination here. It was fun getting to learn about the work that Madison does and how she blends all those three worlds together. So definitely a little bit of a different episode than we normally do, but I learned a ton from this one, and I hope you guys enjoy. Do you compete a lot? So I, when I first started weightlifting, um, I didn't compete because I was still doing just CrossFit stuff as well. So I didn't, weightlifting wasn't my primary. It was also like in tandem with um, CrossFit. And then I took a break from weightlifting and all that jazz for a while, just because I think my body wanted a break and to go explore, experience something different. Um, and so I, I, I had never gotten the USAW membership until 2019, actually. And then I did my first, my first competition in January 2020. Um, because when I got back into it, I was like, I want to give myself like six months to get back into the group of things. So I was like, I don't want the pressure, um, of trying to do squat tens and doing some like ridiculous weight and like just feeling like my body is wrecked right out of the gate. And so I pretty, pretty much took it easy and kind of chose my own numbers just to really focus more so on the technique aspect. Um, and then after I felt a little bit more confident, start going for like heavier reps. And so after six months, I signed up for, um, like a weightlifting competition, like locally and did it. Um, and it was really cool. I got, I got like third overall, like first in my weight class, which was like, yeah, really great for the confidence. And then COVID hit. And so, um, we haven't done, even as a club, we haven't done any, weightlifting competitions other than just like the online qualifiers um because our next competition that we're going to do as a team is the the um i think it's the caffeine and kilos one the garage national championships that's coming up in may so like it's kind of been to each their own journey during covid and so because of like having an entire year where there were no local meets at least here on the east coast or like in our area that it's just been like all right we're just gonna have an extended strength cycle for like six months um and we're just gonna see what happens in the world and so um, that in itself has been nice. Um, but yeah, only one competition. Okay. Yeah. So what was your, what was your background? Like, like growing up, I know I weightlifting and classical singing are probably things that don't, don't mix. So, so what was your yeah. like athletic background and, and kind of music background? Sure. So, um, I grew up in a very, um, athletically competitive family. Um, I am one sibling of three. So, uh, there's three of us. Um, and my older sister, um, when we were all little, we were very early put into sports. I started off in soccer, but, um, basketball was my dad's sport. So he, he kind of, I would say, opened the gates a little bit more, kind of like preferred us to go towards that route and, and like coached us as little kids in like the YMCA, like local, I don't know, the peewee version of basketball. Um, and so um, I got into basketball pretty early as well as soccer and then stuck with basketball because I just liked it better. Um, and then did competitive club basketball all the way through middle school into high school and our high school team um, at the time was ranked like top five in the nation at that point. Um, and to this day is actually ranked number one. So the, the 
sport, the basketball team itself is really, really, really highly competitive. And it's one of those things where people um, like parents and their kids, um, if they want their kids have a better shot at getting college scholarships, they'll actually move into the school district so their kid can go to that school and play on that team to get more exposure and stuff. So um, we were actually one of those families, not for myself, but for my sister, um, because she was already on track to go into collegiate sports um, for basketball. um, But my parents didn't want to pay like private tuition and everything. They're like, we're just going to move um, into this school district that was like 40 minutes away from where we grew up. Um, and so I kind of followed that same track. And so basketball was my main sport and through, through basketball, um, because of all of the more competitive, like club, um, training and playing, I learned strength and conditioning or partook in it from a very early age. Like I remember the first time we as a basketball team were introduced to weightlifting and I was like 10 years old. They took us all because it was like during summertime where, uh, there wasn't a lot of like, um, it was kind of like more so off season. So it's really time for, you know, more flexibility and how you kind of train your kids and practice with them. They took us all into the high school, uh, gym room or the weight training room. And, um, they taught us like how to do curls and how to do flies and stuff like that and gave us strength training programming to get through, you know, after our basketball practice. And so like us as like 10 year olds, 11 year old, 12 year old girls were like getting this really great foundation of um, muscle strength building um, to definitely help, you know, with our, our basketball skills. And so through, through high school and everything, um, that continued and the, the intensity continued. And so it really gave me a strong foundation as far as like how to fitness well, and to continue that, even though like I knew, um, from a very early age, like I didn't want to play collegiate basketball. I did it for fun because I love the sport. And, um, I also liked fitness in general and physical activity is a great way to stay in shape. Um, so that was the sports side. Now music, um, I started singing, I don't know, like from a very early age, let's just say like five years old is when like my parents or the people around me realized like I had a really pretty voice, like naturally pretty voice for a child. And my parents put my sister and I into piano lessons and I started at the age of five. So I studied piano and kind of took singing lessons um, as a child from that age um, all the way into um, high school. But the big thing that really helped develop my musicianship skills was that I played um, piano and sang for my local church. And, um, I remember the priest, uh, from a, one of the local parishes, like came to our home and like knocked on the door. Cause he was friends with my parents and I was 10 years old. And he came to ask me if I would take over this girl's job who was leaving to go off to college, who basically did the music for the services on the weekends. And you know, I would say that's a pretty big ask for a 10 year old, but I was like, sure, why not? So I was getting paid to go, you know, play and sing by myself for these church services, as well as like, um, a company and sing as part of a kind of like a youth band. And so that really helped like catalyze or ex- help me excel in the musicianship or, um, just music aspects and then singing, um, again, I are always been naturally good at it. And, um, when I got into high school with basketball, all of that, I was also like in the choirs and, and singing in like the top choirs and stuff. So that really exposed me to a different world of like classical music and choral music. So I kind of had this like duality of lifestyles going on. I had like my musicianship and my music and singing stuff. And I also had this very competitive side, this fitness aspect of my life. And I even remember, you know, during those times, like particularly in high school, when everyone's trying to figure out their identity and everything, like feeling this split, like I couldn't find this like marriage because of course, 
you know, when back in that age, everyone's very niche and everyone's got their like groups of friends and everything. And I always felt like I never really fit in, you know, perfectly into any sort of mold or any sort of group of friends. And so I felt like I was always like this tweener. Um, but as I mentioned, um, I was never interested in excelling or continuing like sports, walking onto a team in college for basketball. Um, but music had always been a very special part of my life. And it was time for me to figure out, well, do I want to be a professional musician? What do I want to do if that um, you know, with the rest of my life. So my parents were like, well, now's the time to go figure out. So I applied, um, for a few different music departments slash conservatories in California. And I ended up getting into Long Beach state. And I first declared my major as wanting to write music because I wrote a lot of music, um, just regular pop songs, I guess you would say growing up. Um, but during uh, my first freshman year in college, you have to have an instrument to study and mine was voice and they, they teach you in the classical style. Um, and through those lessons that I had to take, I first hated them. And then I was exposed to the repertoire of opera and classical art song. And I fell in love with it. And I fell in love with learning this mystical technique of the voice and how it works and how you can extend your range and make different sounds and the different registrations um, that I just became like obsessed and fascinated with it. And I wanted to learn how to do that. So I eventually switched into classical vocal performance. Yeah. That's awesome. Do you think, do you think at such a young age, like fitness and singing kind of paralleled each other because I'm thinking when you start training and you start seeing changes in your body, you get stronger, you know, the amount of work that you put in is the amount of results that you're getting. So did you kind of see that with singing that you could actually train, you can practice this? It's like fitness, you know, how you do a curl with 10 pounds and then you get, you get a little bit stronger and you move up to 15s. But were you doing that with singing as well, like starting to practice that way? Yeah. So the funny thing is, is that like, um, I, even, even though I was singing, um, through like high school and everything as I was like doing fitness and stuff during that time, um, singing and music and stuff was much more fun. It was all about like the fun and the creativity aspect. There wasn't a lot of pressure during that time. Whereas like the pressure to perform and the competitiveness during those times I was playing club basketball and training, um, that was really intense and very all was always on the forefront of everyone who was a part of that team on in their mind, where it obviously had an effect on the dynamics of like friendship and, and team dynamics and stuff like that. Um, so when I finally chose to pursue um classical singing opera singing as a career it was re it was like those roles switched all of a sudden like fitness became um this this hobby this fun thing to do but because I had already experienced what it meant to have a mindset of competitiveness and discipline and to go do three-hour practices six times a week and then to do strength training um you know go into the weight room for an hour after that like a couple of days a week um it was I kind of took that approach to singing and it really helped me excel um, in my technique and my ability to get faster on track. Cause I really felt like at the time back in undergraduate um, years, I was a little behind. So I felt like I was always playing catch up. So I would be that person who was very dedicated going into the practice room and practicing for like as many hours as my voice would be able to. So like I would sit there and just make sounds, whatever sounds those were for like two hours, just because there was that competitive drive in me. But I also realized I was also coming from a place of me comparing myself to others. So it was like the roles switched, but I learned a lot about discipline and I learned a lot about that, that fire within and that self-source motivation or inspiration. Um, 
from fitness and like learn to apply it to me learning this craft because, but to your point, when you're talking about like the pragmatics and like breaking it down and taking it step by step, absolutely. Um, you know, I think that that pragmatic, you know, approach now is really important for me to be like, okay, today I'm going to work on this, 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 and this of my voice, because I know that these are my weak points. Um, whereas I would say another person who may not have had a teacher who is that um, explicit with them telling them like, this is how you need to practice or train your voice um, may just like go into the practice room or off by themselves, kind of just aimlessly trying to do things with their voice, but not really addressing certain issues or really building um, really solid technique in the first place. Awesome. Well, we definitely have to get in this, the spiritual side. I know that's, that's yeah. your thing now. So, so kind of talk us through what got you into that all I, you're a spiritual coach and it's kind of everything with your platform now and your blog, your podcast you got going on. So what was the, uh, the moment that you got into the spiritual world? During my undergraduate years, particularly as everyone kind of goes off to college, everyone gets this opportunity to rediscover themselves, like away from, let's say their parents, maybe like childhood conditioning. So it really gives people the opportunity to explore. Um, and so when I went off to college, along with like going into this new career path um, or trying to figure out what I want to do with my life at least. Um, I don't know how I fell into how it started, but I had come across some stuff while I was in the college library about like ways that you can um, improve your memory skills. Um, because I was like, oh, it'd be really, really convenient to have a photographic memory when you have like pages and pages and pages of music to memorize. Um, so I don't know how I stumbled upon this, but I think that's just the workings of the universe and how they get people to like come across things or have certain experiences. I, uh, got into studying um, brain wave states. So when I say that we're talking about like high beta, beta, alpha, um, delta, theta, um, these, these states that um, we kind of move through throughout our day and certain um, brain states are better for focusing or um, our high beta is a, a brain state that we go into when we're really stressed. And so this has to do with um, how how we are able to intake and hold on to certain information that is in our brain or even access it. So I would say that was kind of like the gateway into this loophole of me going down into something called like the Silva uh, mind control method. And this was about like brainwave states and accessing them through meditation and visualization and stuff like that. So I was fascinated by all of this. And I thought I was like, oh yeah, like who doesn't want to learn how to um, like, control their mind or access things that they may have forgotten or be able to be psychic or telepathic and stuff. Cause this was like part of their, their, their claims that you could do. Um, so I was doing all of these practices and everything. And through it, I had come across something called the law of attraction. The law of attraction um, is really associated um, with this really popular movie slash book called the secret. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it. I haven't read it or I don't know much about it. Okay, cool. It's totally fine. So um, the law of attraction is basically um, this concept that's based on actually the law of vibration that everything is energy and energy attracts like energy. Um, so if everything is energy, that also means that our thoughts our energy, our emotions, our energy, and we use our mind, um, our consciousness as a focuser of this energy um, that we can use to magnetize um, like energy. So this is where like the bigger concept or a theory when people talk about like, oh, negative thoughts, if your thoughts create your reality. So if you have, if you're constantly having negative thoughts, 
how that affects your affect, meaning your mood, um, how that affects your perception or the filter through which you experience life. But additionally, how like your negative thoughts, that particular frequency or vibration of it um, will attract other things that have a similar vibration or frequency. So negative thought could be similar in vibration to a person who also carries those negative thoughts. And so um, through the way of this law, you two are attracted to each other and you bring each other into experience to act as mirrors for each other. So that's kind of like the general basis of law of attraction. But the bigger thing about it is learning that you are the creator of your own reality through this law. Um, so to answer your question, how this really got catalyzed is that I was studying all these things and doing these exercises because I was like, yeah, I want to attract like the perfect relationship. I want to attract like the perfect job. I want to get into this specific like summer program for voice and stuff. So I was coming at this, <laughs> this, uh, method from a very ego driven place, you know? Um, but during my undergraduate years, um, I started having issues with my voice to the point where I, um, had, I had been visiting the ENT and they couldn't find out what was wrong, but I was leaving rehearsals, um, with barely any voice left. And it would got to the point where I would wake up in the morning and my voice wasn't getting better. It wasn't getting healing. It wasn't healing, meaning I was waking up with a really raspy voice. Um, and I couldn't hit certain notes in my range when I was practicing singing. And it got to the point where I went back to the ENT one time they, and they told me after a uh, scoping that I had pre nodes, which is, which is basically where you are starting to form calluses on your vocal cords. Um, so just in weightlifting, the only way you can get rid of calluses is either you stop using your hands and they go away naturally, like the skin falls away or you shave them off. Right. So they told me my options were, okay, you can have surgery if the nodes actually form um, to get them removed, but that is not 100% guaranteed that you're going to come out fine afterwards. Your voice can be affected. Or you can go on bulk arrest for two, three months and just wait for them to disappear. And my entire, my, my ego was basically like shot in the face because I... As I mentioned before, I had taken this competitiveness, this drive and the, the comparison game that I had used in my fitness and I, and I had used that same approach and kind of placed it into the way I looked at my singing and my career and my worth and my value. And all of a sudden, now that I had no voice, this this service that I was providing to people where I was receiving, um, adulation praise for it, how I was told, like how good I was at this. And that really fed that, that validation and self-worth all of a sudden that was gone. Additionally, I was, you know, supporting myself, making money through singing during college. So all of a sudden I was, I had, I could not perform my jobs. I could not do what I needed to do at school either. And I had no way of, I would say, sourcing love or validation for myself or had lost what it meant to be me. So I was now in this place where I had to go on vocal rest for a couple months, at, you know, depending on what the doctor said. And because I had, you know, been studying and had, very much put my belief systems into law of attraction, meaning you create your own reality. I had to sit there and ask myself, okay, well, how did I create this for myself? And then on top of that, how do I create something different for myself? So during that time, when I was on vocal rest, obviously I had a lot of long time because I couldn't really hang out with friends, couldn't really talk to them. And also I was deeply hurt. So I kind of just more so isolated myself for a while. And I started doing these exercises of gratitude and finding little by little um, the appreciation of waking up every day and looking at the sun and saying, I'm, I'm really grateful that the sun is out today and that I can enjoy the warmth or 
I'm really glad that I woke up in a bed, you know, this morning rather than on the streets because there are people out there who, you know, sleep on the streets. I'm really glad that, you know, I appreciate this cup of coffee that I'm drinking and that I have a space that I can call my own. And from those little steps, I was, I started realizing how, what I had focused my thoughts on and where I put my attention to was actually affecting my mood and kind of how I was now moving through the day, perceiving this, this, you know, at the time I would say like horrific situation I was in all of a sudden it was like, Oh, life isn't as bad as I'm like perceived as I was perceiving it to be like, I'm okay. I'm going to be okay. And so miraculously a couple of weeks later, of course, I'm continuing this because it's self-soothing and I'm, you know, finding solace and peace in this place that I'm in. I go back to the ENT a couple of weeks later, maybe like three weeks later, I do the scoping and they're like, your voice is completely fine. They're like, you have no nodes. Uh, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And um, I was like, obviously thrilled. Um, But I talked to my voice teacher and she was like, you know, like, take it, we're going to keep you on vocal rest, you know, for a couple more weeks, just because like, you know, we want to be safe and you should take it easy getting back into voice, because if it is a technique issue, we want to make sure we rewire you properly. And so you don't find yourself in this position again, but looking back now, you know, it doesn't matter whether or not like my positive thoughts, like had miraculously healed me. That wasn't the lesson or the big takeaway from this. What I learned was that I didn't need my external environment to be a certain way in order for me to feel good about myself or for me to, um, you know, be happy or be at peace wherever I was. And so with this understanding, all of a sudden, this idea of law of attraction and trying to manifest money or relationships or houses or cars all of a sudden became much more of a spiritual growth journey where I, where again, it was the kind of the truer meaning and that our internal state, meaning um, the wellness of our emotional body, the wellness of our mental body um, and our spiritual body internally is reflected in our outer reality. And so we need to, meaning I, I needed to learn to um, take care of me, my internal landscape, my internal world, if I wanted to see change in my outer world. Because beforehand, and this is what we were taught through conditioning and just, you know, whatever religion or society that you, um, uh, you know, are subject to, we learned that we are kind of just like these victims of the circumstances around us, but we're never really taught our inherent power. We're never taught the power of our um, momentum of our thoughts. We're never taught the power or what it is, what it means when we're feeling a negative emotion, what that means, what kind of communication that that is um, to the rest of our complex system. So that whole story kind of catalyzed um, this journey from moving from law of attraction into studying energy. What is energy? What is our energetic body? I moved into self-realization, um, which are kind of more like Eastern traditional yoga philosophies and, and practices, um, and really started to dive deep into those things. Um, and from there, you know, had my own experiences and then moved in, got exposed to like channeling and we started getting into the galactic things. And so again, it was kind of the spiral, but that's basically um, the, I would say the foundation of that led me into where I am today. I think we all have those things that you kind of wrap yourself into, whether it's a sport or your job, whatever titles that you have associated to you and how you view yourself, and when that gets ripped away from you, it's like, oh, who am I? I have to sit with myself. I have to close my eyes and think about what's actually important. I remember when I uh, quit my job and I started working at a grocery store, like the one thing that I didn't want to do 
was push the grocery carts because I'm like I'm above this. I I don't I can't push carts like what if people see me pushing grocery carts? Like I'm 25 <laughs> years old, I'm a college graduate, like and here I am just pushing carts outside. And then uh you know, it's funny like you hear other people who talk about their jobs and when it, whenever I would go to a party and somebody would ask like, "Oh, what do you do?" That would always be like my question that I feared the most because I'm like oh god I got to tell him I work at a grocery store but once you kind of learn that you're more than your job or you're more than your profession your profession the same thing but like your sport whatever it whatever it is like we're so much more than that yeah oh yeah for sure oh do you have more to say no no we're kind of we're just freezing a little bit here I caught all that uh yeah yeah, but like you kind of you lose that thing that you think makes you you and then you have to be like, oh, who who am I? So what was when you did the gratitude practice, were you actually writing that stuff down or were you just kind of saying it out loud? Yeah. So um, I, I it's so funny because this memory is so vivid. This is how I would start my mornings during this time. I because of the teachers and the mentors that I was you know studying law of attraction through, they were always like first thing in the morning. This is this is the way um, that you need to set your day because there is something called momentum. There is momentum to your vibrations or to your thought streams. So your morning time, your morning routine is kind of the most important time that sets the mood or sets the intention for the, how the rest of your day is going to play out because it's a lot more difficult to change the trajectory of your energy later down your timeline in the day um, because there's so much momentum already go heading in a certain direction, particularly if it's in a negative one and you kind of just have to learn how to write that out. So I would wake up in the morning. Um, I'm a big coffee fan. So I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to make my coffee. So I'm definitely going to do that as well. I would grab my notebook. I would French press my coffee, go sit on my couch, or I had a little um, like patio deck thing because um, I lived on the third floor at the time that overlooked um, the city, you know, to the ocean, it was nice. Cause you could like see the sun if the sun was out. Cause I was living in long beach at the time in California and I'd take my notebook, have my coffee. Um, sometimes I would listen to more like ambient music, not like music with words. And I would just sit there and be like, I appreciate blah, 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 X, Y, Z. I appreciate blah, blah, blah today. I appreciate blah, blah, blah. And I would just write pages and pages and pages of this, um, just to keep training my mind, you know, um, even as a distraction at some point, you know, from, from the first thing thinking about, oh my God, is my voice okay? Like, should I try and make sound? Um, really just kind of hard redirecting it towards these thoughts, um, and intentions of gratitude. And then from there, um, there's like another, kind of, I would, it's called a rampage of appreciation, which is basically using the momentum from these gratitudes to then apply to other aspects of your life. So let's say I was starting with something very small, meaning I'm really appreciative of this cup of coffee. I love the taste of it. Um, I really like the warmth of it. Um, and so the easier and easier it gets to focus consciously focus on these points of that are complementary of appreciation or gratitude then you can start applying that to some of the more bigger things like saying like you know like i'm healthy today um i'm feeling good you know what you know like and and not really address like the problem meaning like at that time it was my voice but saying like I have all five limbs today, you know, like I'm, I'm breathing fine. You know, I don't feel any pain. Um, you know, I have a great support system around me. So then starting from that very small thing and getting a lot of momentum, positive momentum behind that small thing could then transfer over into at like, you know, bigger areas of your life that may have a little bit more, um, association with, the aspect of your life that you are trying to change or the thing that you might not feel 
as appreciative about in your life at the moment. So that's kind of like how I would start the day. And because I had so much alone time, I would um, go on runs um, and uh, take a break and sit by, you know, the water on like on some bench or whatever. And I would, you know, then practice some like affirmations or just thoughts of gratitude. And it was just like, the more consistently I could get it in the day, like the more even keeled I felt as far as like my mood and like kind of the smoothness or ease, I was able to move through things and not, not let my mind get fixated on the, you know, quote unquote problem in my life. Yeah. I think everyone needs a regular gratitude practice. And I'm just thinking kind of about the world right now, like everyone you know, you hear it all the time, 2020 sucked and like the pandemic, worst thing that ever happened. So where do you kind of recommend people who start with like, they don't have a gratitude practice, they have negative thoughts, they lost their job. Like what's the one thing that you can kind of start with today that's going to make the biggest difference? Yeah, definitely. Um, So as I mentioned um, with my you know, my practice and I will say journaling is still probably the, probably the one thing I've carried consistently throughout the last few years, probably since those undergraduate years, um, since I picked it up as a practice, um, journaling, I would say is probably the easiest. Everyone's got paper, everyone's got a phone, everyone's got a pen laying around, um, and thoughts are a choice. Now, when I say that thoughts are a choice, some thoughts are easier than others. So um, what you do not want to do is immediately try and go think positive thoughts of gratitude about that problem, meaning like, or quote unquote, what you would consider the problem. Meaning if you lost your job, don't immediately go try and fixing the problem of like, feeling grateful that you lost your job because your system, there's so much momentum or resistance behind that already that you're just going to keep hitting a wall. So as I mentioned, if you can start focusing your consciousness on appreciating or finding gratitude in the things that are easy to be grateful for, like, let's say you love your partner so much, like you have a great relationship with your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever it is, Focus on that stuff, because if you can jump on that train that already has that momentum of a positive vibration, um, it's a lot easier to grow that um, than it is to all of a sudden stop this other giant negativity terrain and like pause the brakes um, and then all of a sudden try to shift like your entire uh I would say your entire energy or your mood. So to the long and the short, I would say start with a gratitude practice, a journaling, and then with what you are choosing to focus on, start where it's easy. Start where it's like, oh, no brainer. I love my dog. I love the color of his fur. I love how it feels in my hand. I love how when I wake up, he has a beautiful, bright, you know, smile on his face and he makes me feel loved. And once you are able to make that sort of positive, um, I would say focus your dominant focus, all of a sudden it makes the, that contrast of focusing on the negativity, like a lot less appealing to go focus on. Cause now you're experiencing what it's like to just keep your energetic field in a state of flow in a state of ease. Um, and in the way that the universe works, and again, I'm speaking from my own belief systems, but you know, let's call it the mystery of all of this is that the more that you put your attention, your focus, your consciousness in one area, it takes away the power of another area. So all of a sudden the severity of that giant problem starts to dissipate and starts to get smaller and to a certain point where it can get manageable enough for you to then be like, okay, 
my nervous system isn't in a fight or flight mode anymore. Um, my thoughts are clear because I've been practicing a state of ease and flow. Um, and now I can kind of slowly start making my way over to addressing this again, quote unquote problem area. Maybe it's like figuring out what you're going to do for your next job from a place of ease and flow and positivity. And I would just say um, more of who we are naturally, because I believe that we are all um, naturally inherently abundant and with clarity and that we, we deserve everything that we want, but you have to, you have to practice being in that place, you know, in order for that to feel like your dominant um, vibration. Once you have kind of established that, then it's easier to solve the problem or to move that problem area into a new place because you have the clarity. You're going in it with confidence, with ease. And again, this is where the science um, starts to play into it. Um, I remember we had talked about neuro neuroplasticity um, and that there are sequences to it. And neuroplasticity is um, the body's ability to make changes. Like you can't expect a person who's lived in trauma and in fear their entire life for them to all of a sudden be happy and feel safe. There are stages and steps to those things. And so it's the same thing with this practice. There's a sequence to it and you want to practice starting with what is easiest. And once you do that, then the harder things, just as you grow muscles and everything don't seem as intimidating and you're able to address it with a little bit more confidence. Anyways, I'm going to stop there because I'm going to continue rambling, but yeah, journal and start where it's easiest. <laughs> I think that's great advice. And you know, a lot of people who are unhappy are the ones who are on social media all the time, who are watching the news all the time. So yeah, that, that practice might be just stop going on Instagram 10 minutes before bed. It doesn't have to be that you're sitting in meditation for hours on hours a day. It can be just, you know, unfollow that person that is sending you negative vibes on social media or, you know, just sitting with your, uh, we talked about sitting with your eyes closed for 10 seconds. Like how many people have never done that? Because we constantly yeah. have the distractions. It's so easy to, to go on Netflix. It's so easy to, to watch videos on YouTube. But what's harder is to actually sit with yourself and be these thoughts going on in my head. Like, I have to actually listen to these things, you know? Yeah, yeah. I am a big fan, um, big advocate for something called creating space. And as we're talking about, like, when we're talking about taking small steps, for me, you know, one of the things that really helped me was actually having the time and the energy to start focusing on my mental and emotional health. Um, but to your point, if you're always on your phone, if you're always running from your job to the gym, to a social life, um, and you're not getting enough sleep and you have zero time for yourself, but then on the other hand, you're complaining how like, you're not happy with your life. You, you, um, you're feeling this emotional anxiety all the time, but you don't know what it's stemming from, um, or whatever the problem is. Um, you're aware of it, but you don't create time and space for yourself to actually go internally and explore those things. And again, we're not even talking about doing a practice doing a meditation, you know, like doing something to solve the problem. If you don't even have the time to do it, if you haven't carved that out, then like, these are the, this is where the phrase comes into play. Like we can only help those who start to help themselves. Like there's, it, it's, it's kind of one of those things you need to find and create space for yourself to start that journey, you know, and when you had talked about, um, you know, people lose their jobs or they, they have like some like sort of big experience. Um, and for me, this is one of the catalysts for many people's spiritual journeys. They lose their job. They get into a car accident. 
they have a major breakup in their life, you know, something radically shifts in their life. Um, that becomes the thing that creates space in their life. But the cool thing is, is that you don't have to wait for a catastrophic event in your life um, to do that for you. You can be proactive and, you know, use your emotional body because it is a communication system from your soul or your higher self, let's say, telling you, hey, there's something going on in your system, um, but you can't fix it unless you are willing to give some attention to it. And so the more that we can help people be more proactive, taking those baby steps, as you mentioned, like putting your phone down like 10 minutes before bed, um, you know, first thing when you wake up, let it not be grabbing your phone. Maybe it's just laying in bed and thinking, you know, your first thoughts of like, how am I feeling right now? You know, um, let's say it's like, okay, in between going to work, or maybe going to the gym, maybe it's like stepping outside and taking a walk around your block. And that's like, these are like five minute things. These aren't like some major practices that are completely life altering, but as like you move your um, totals up, you know, when you're trying to reach new PRs, you're not making 50 kilo jumps. You're probably making two kilo, five kilo jumps and you're taking these um, micro progression steps to get you to where you're ultimately wanting to go. Yeah, and it, it, if you tell people that you kind of have to get into channeling or the law of attraction, the law of vibration, <laughs> yeah. all that stuff, they might be like, no, that's not for me. But <laughs> if you say that it's, it's um, changing your mindset, a gratitude practice, walking and being aware of your surroundings i think that opens the door for people and it doesn't seem as intimidating as all the stuff that you've kind of gotten to on your journey like it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be just jump into it and let's go into kind of how your your um journey has progressed like what what things have changed within you since you first heard of the law of attraction and like, where are you now? Sure. Sure. So as I mentioned with law of attraction, it can seem very black and white. When, when someone says your thoughts create your reality, all of a sudden you imagine people being so scared to like think a negative thought because in a split second, some like bad thing is going to happen to them. So most people who, who have this as their gateway, um, I would say, think about it in terms of, you know, very, from a very ego, um, perspective, meaning like, it's all about me, um, in this particular lifestyle, in this particular life that I'm living, um, and everyone else around me also just like, they don't really matter. They don't have their own things going on. Well, through my journey, you know, as I continue to open myself up and explore, um, my belief systems or my truth evolved where I started to understand that there's me, Madison, the ego Madison, this personality Madison living this life as a weightlifter, as a classical singer, and now like spiritual, you know, mentor. Um, but there's been Madison in past lives and that soul that has moved from physical life to physical life to physical life carries energy and carries memories from those past lives. So when we start talking about, okay, well, something bad happened to me, let's take my singing experience, for example. And when I ask myself the question, well, why did I create this? You know, from a purely law of attraction standpoint, you could be, you know, thinking the answer is like, oh, I was just thinking negative thoughts about myself. But the other possibility or the thing when we start looking at us individuals or human beings as soul beings, as energetic beings that transcend this physical experience, meaning from just one lifetime, um, that there might have been a trauma that I had experienced having to deal with my throat chakra, um, or, um, my, not me, not speaking my truth in a past life where that was never resolved. And so I had carried this trauma or that particular energy into this lifetime in order for it to give myself the opportunity to resolve 
and to learn from that experience. And so when we, when we can start looking at ourselves and our journey and who we are at, at a much higher level, meaning looking at us as souls that have either past lives or, you know, extend beyond this physical reality and what our logical mind knows that there's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of mystery behind it and that, and not everything can be explained as in like black and white logic that, you know, makes our mind feel good because our mind is just a predictive machine that tries to keep us safe, that keeps us surviving, you know, in this human body. So I started to explore, you know, past lives, you know, me as a soul traveling, not only as a human, but we can talk, you know, more astrally, um, meaning like on in other planets and other universes. And this is where, you know, the woo starts to come into play. Um, but as I mentioned, I started getting into more traditional like yoga philosophy stuff. And um, when we start talking about yoga, I'm not just talking about like the poses as a physical exercise. We're talking about um, the chakras and the energy centers and how you can tap into these and manipulate and move energy through them. And once you become more familiar with this particular etheric body, the system, how it's actually correlating or just being reflected um, back to you in your external reality. So it became this um, validating experience from what I was learning from, I would say, law of attraction, but a much more comprehensive, much more complex, much more mystical and spiritual um, understanding, starting to look at me as much more than just this like physical sack, you know, who has a mental, like a, a mind that can think thoughts and attract things. We start looking at what emotions mean and how that's energy. Um, and it's actually a communication system uh, with your higher soul. And as I was moving through this, um, you had mentioned the word channeling. Um, so I'll bring that up. And I had met a friend at a workshop from a spiritual teacher. I was like just visiting um, for the first time in person. And he introduced me to the concept of channeling. At the time, I didn't know that um, Abraham Hicks, who's, who is a huge um, teacher of law of attraction, um, the, the human, meaning Esther, is actually channeling a non-physical collective being called Abraham. Um, so he had introduced me to a channeler who channeled non-physical beings. And so when we talk about what channeling is, it's basically a person who's able to tap into the frequency of uh, a certain consciousness, higher or lower, and bring through information. And it is translated either verbally and sound or like through a different way. So a verbal channeler is someone who's able to tune into the frequency of a, of a consciousness and bring through that information and um, translate it into words, something that we can understand. So I was exposed to this um, channeler. His name is Daniel Scranton. And these, this consciousness or these consciousnesses, I guess, um, that were coming through were speaking or teaching these concepts about who we are at our core, um, meaning um, where do we come from? What does it mean to be human? Of course, like past lives were coming into it, but now we're not just talking about us past lives as humans, but as souls, as extensions of source, whether or not you want to call that God, source, Allah, whatever, um, you have been different forms throughout your entire existence as a fragmented piece of source. Um, so you yourself may have been an alien at one point exploring what it meant to live in like a different, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, it would be super awesome to have, um, memories of that. And people do. And here's the thing. It's like, you don't know these things, um, because people don't talk about them. People have crazy dreams, crazy visions, experiences, but it's, it's never put out there because of course, like it's not everyone's experience. You can never say like, this is 
everyone's truth because how can you prove it? You know, if it's just one person's experience. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it's opening you up to consider the possibility. And again, it's like, you yourself have to really be open sometimes to the possibility in order for you to have an experience that validates it. So for me with like channeling and getting into all this stuff, I'm a pretty open person. And I'm like, that sounds really cool. Hey, why not? Let's try, you know, doing this particular meditation or like, you know, Kundalini activation, third eye opening, whatever. And um, when I was starting to do some of these practices, like the experiences I was having um, were starting to validate, you know, these things and it started to become my truth. Um, so, you know, with everything that I've learned going on my own journey is that I will always value experiential truth over theoretical truth, because of course I can come on here on your podcast and, or on my podcast and speak all of these things, but it really doesn't mean anything, um, to anyone unless it just acts as a permission slip for them to go try it out for themselves. And so, you know, I, one of the biggest things I had to learn is that not everyone carries the same truths. And even for me, what I considered true at one time has changed because I've had a different experience that has validated it. And so I think, you know, Regardless if you ever believe in aliens, if you believe you have past lives, if you have a soul or anything, the one thing I hope to um, continue being an example or a beacon for people is to move through life, this life, with a curiosity and an openness and with the question in mind through every experience that they have better, like a good experience or a, a negative or bad experience with the question, what can I take and learn from this and move forward, taking another step closer to who I really want to be? Yeah, I love that. And it, and it doesn't have to be like you're talking, some people might get turned off by hearing channeling or whatever, law of attraction, but there's so many different ways to say the same thing. I just read a book called The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. Mm. And it's basically everything that you just said, like taking adversity and looking at it as a good thing. What can I learn from this? You get injured in weightlifting. What, how is this going to benefit me? How can I change up my training to, to be a better weightlifter in the future? Or how can I maybe I got fired from my job and I didn't like my job. So how can I change my life that way? Yeah. So I think it, it's, it's kind of all these different avenues and it, it, it can be different for everybody, but, but to kind of validate your own experience and tell people that it's okay to look at different things. It's okay to, to experience this way, to do a meditation that maybe some people might think is weird. Like it's okay to do all that stuff. <laughs> Have you have you come across anybody who's like, you know, oh, she's just a hippie or she's weird or like, you know, people yeah. who just don't don't kind of get it? I mean, this it's a good question. Um, and part of this plays into again my my experience in the idea of law of attraction being validated towards me. So part of my own journey, as far as like me starting my own podcast and, and starting to actually move publicly, publicly into spiritual mentorship and stuff and speaking my story is that for a very long time, I kind of kept it compartmentalized to a certain group of people who would only like, I knew for sure would validate or be open to it, you know, and, and because I didn't want to worry about opposing or conflicting opinions. For instance, like my family, I don't come from a family who believes in this stuff, has the same experiences as I do. Um, I was born and raised in the Catholic religion. Um, and so I, you know, for the most of my journey, I kept this very much, um, 
secluded to like my private life and to like a very intimate or certain group of people. Um, and so when I chose to start coming out more publicly and speaking, you know, my perspective and, and, um, really following this path that has been calling me for a long time. Um, I learned that I needed to get in alignment with it first and be okay with, be okay with it myself, meaning being okay with any criticism that may pop up or differing opinions and stuff. Um, a very practical example of this is that my partner doesn't carry the same beliefs as I do, like even like not even close. And so like, so, you know, like I had to internally work on myself mentally and emotionally to be okay with that and to stand strong and proud in my truth and my perspective, because again, these were, I was having these experiences and do have these experiences that validate my belief systems. So I believe that because I have such an, a strong internal um, confidence and foundation um, in this particular belief and truth that I carry now, um, that I don't put out this energy of conflict um, into my reality that brings in that makes me experience conflict meaning through like an, another person trying to challenge my beliefs and the thing is is that like if a person comes and asks me questions like well how how did you come about this or like why do you believe that's true or like if my partner comes up to me and he's like that's a bunch of like <laughs> woo woo and it's like I don't I don't get emotionally triggered by it because like again I think at this point in my journey, I've become so, I've become so okay and in love with myself, with this truth that I carry that I, I don't really have a lesson to be learned that needs to be reflected back in my external reality that like, Hey, you have some insecurities here that you need to look at. And of course I'm saying this because you never know in the, in, who knows, someone may come onto your podcast and say like, yeah, that last person that you really talked to is a real like hoot. And who knows, like in the future, I may have, you know, conflicts pop up, but I really believe, you know, as a creator of our own reality that our external environment, um, the people that we interact with and the experiences that we have are all just part, they're all just reflections of this energetic soup that we are. And I really do my work due diligence in making sure that I work internally first and work on that confidence and self-love and that strength. Um, so I don't have to, I would, yeah, basically have it reflected back out to me, you know, through this 3D uh, reality. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, it definitely does. And it takes a special person to, whatever your message is, to actually put that out there, to start posting on Instagram or to start a YouTube channel or start a podcast, whatever it is, whatever your truth is, to actually say that out loud and like go in front of people and be open to that criticism, I think it, I think is super brave. So I think what you're doing is awesome, regardless of <laughs> if people never have that experience or, or never want to, I think it's definitely an avenue that some, somebody should explore if they're, if they're into that. Is there any teachers or pe or mentors that you have that you would kind of point people in the direction of? <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so I would say if you are interested in law of attraction, um, definitely go check out Abraham Hicks. You can just um, either pick up a book, ask and it is given, but I would say for free, go onto YouTube, type in Abraham Hicks. Um, there's millions of videos. You can find podcasts of their teachings and that's how I learned. Um, and through, uh, gosh, through like yoga philosophy, I would say, look into self-realization. If you want to start looking into some of the more woo, like galactic stuff, as far as like past lives and, and, and whatnot, one of the most, um, influential channeled material that I came across was, um, something called the law of one. Um, and you can find the entire transcript and it's a lot. Um, 
The entire transcript is online. Um, again, that's law of one. I think it's like, I will give you some like, I don't know, link that maybe you can put in show notes for people. Um, if you are looking for um, a channeler, um, I have a few that I recommend um, checking out. Again, one that's been super influential for me is uh, Daniel Scranton, another great um intuitive channeler, um, and healer, um, is Lee Harris. Um, and I say all of this though, um, with the caveat that you yourself are always your greatest teacher and that regardless of what you learn about energy, um, aliens, whatever it is, law of attraction, that you know, you're here in this human experience for a reason. Um, and for me, through the perspective, you are a spiritual being having a human experience and that, you know what, weightlifting is a spiritual experience. Your relationship is a, is a spiritual experience. You losing your job or starting a new career, you choosing courage or love over fear is probably the most spiritual experience you will ever have. And these are choices that you make every single day. So you don't have to go into the land of woo to live, to be a spiritual person. And that, you know what, it's all just about a shift in your perspective um, and starting to look at life as just a magical, wonderful place rather than this let's say hellhole, you're just trying to survive until you croak and are put in the ground. <laughs> I think we all, we all need more of that thinking. So Madison, <laughs> where can people find you if they want to go to your podcast or do some more research on you? Sure. So to start, my podcast is called um, Meta with Madison. So Meta is M-E-T-A. Um, so Meta with Madison. And then my Instagram account is the Meadow with Madison, and you can uh, check out um, a little bit more about like my own mentorship slash coaching services that I offer through my website, um, and that is MadisonHatton.com. But if you are a person who's interested um, in just learning more or have more questions about anything I've mentioned today. By all means, shoot me a DM through Instagram. I love connecting with people. And if you yourself have a really incredible story that you would like to share, I would also like to be able to share that. And I'm sure you would too. So maybe you can have a three-way three-way table conversation for podcasts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for doing this. This was really fun. Yeah, totally. Thanks so much for having me on. Once again, thanks so much to Madison for coming on the show. I really appreciated getting to know her. If you guys enjoyed this one, just let me know what you think. Send me a DM on Instagram or share it out on your story. And also, if you have a few extra minutes to spare, just give a five-star rating and quick review on iTunes. So thank you guys week in and week out for the support. I look forward to talking to you guys on the next one.